Good morning. Friends, welcome to Preston Hollow Presbyterian Church. Whether you are joining us here or by means of the internet or the radio, we're glad to have you with us. If this is your first time here, I want to extend a special word of welcome and invite you to linger in the atrium following worship so that we might greet you by name and learn more of your story. And if this is your hundredth time here, then I want to say welcome back because we're glad to see you. Friends, if you uh, would do me a favor and sign the friendship pads located at the end of your pews and pass those down the aisle, we try to make note of each other's names while we worship side by side. So pay attention to who's sitting beside you so that you can greet them by name after the service. You'll also notice we have prayer and connect cards in the pews for you. Please take advantage of those. Those are there for your use, and we um, celebrate and love being able to pray with and for you. We have one announcement today, but there is lots of life on the back of your bulletin, so don't hesitate to read the back of the bulletin. I do, however, want to draw your eye to our speaker series, which is coming up. On November 7th, we will have two special guests here in the sanctuary, Michelle Kinder and Larry James. They are going to be speaking about what it takes to make Dallas a thriving community. So if you're invested in the welfare of this city, then I want to invite you to come that evening, bring a friend, join us in the sanctuary to learn more about what it takes to be beloved community. Friends, today is a special day in the life of the church. Today is All Saints Day, and so today we remember those who have gone before us, those who have led and guided us in the faith, and we also take a moment to express our gratitude for the founders of this church. So I'd like to take a moment to recognize our founders. I'm Ruth Fitzgibbons, and I am representing the other trustees of the PHPC Foundation this morning, uh, because, as Sarah said, today is the day we've set aside uh, to remember, first of all, our founders, whom we are all indebted to, those brave souls who mortgaged their houses so that we could find a place in the world for this church. Uh, but I also want to pay special tribute to two other towering figures in our shared history. Bob Wright, Robert Bob Wright, and Letitia Ann Simmons. Their stories are in your bulletin insert today, but they were both instrumental in establishing the PHPC Foundation, which began about two and a half decades ago inauspiciously in Bob's office. Um, and it's designed as a way to provide for an endowed fund, endowed funds outside of the church's operating budget for use both in good times and should it be necessary ever in bad times. Since that time, the foundation has made literally hundreds of grants to projects large and small, both within the, our walls and outside in the world. And in addition, countless scholarships have defrayed the costs of college and seminary for many of our young people. But what Bob and Ann and others really provided was a way for us to ensure that our legacy at Preston Hollow lives on after we're gone. 
lifetime gifts and estate gifts such as those left recently by Bob and Ann provide a way for whatever you're passionate about to endure. Some of you have offered gifts that have allowed us to have the top tier speakers we've enjoyed over the last few years and coming up this week. Other gifts went to renovate the children's ministry, to buy new risers for the choir, to fund technology upgrades like hearing assist headphones, our video boards, and our sound system, and still others directed gifts to places like Moe Ranch and Austin College and Spring Hill, and to our friends in Malawi, and more recently, our neighbors in Southern Dallas. As Matthew reminds us every week, risking something big for something good takes courage and foresight. So many of our forebears had both in abundance. We thank God for them and for the opportunities left to all of us to be the church in our community and in our world, both today and through the foundation well into the future. Thank you. It always amazes me when I think about the people who have come through these pews and who have worshipped here regularly and have given so much of themselves for the life of this church and the life of this city. It truly feels like we are on holy ground. So I want to invite you to take a moment to think about the people in your own faith journey who've been significant to you. Teachers, grandparents, mentors, friends, your pew buddy, Thank God for them, because this is All Saints Day, and this is the work of God. So friends, let us worship God.
Please join with me in our call to worship. The abundance of God's steadfast love pours into our lives and flows out to cover the world. We gather together as God's beloved people, a sure sign of God's everlasting grace and mercy. With thanksgiving in our hearts and joy on our lips, let us sing praises to Holy God.
When we enter the sanctuary each week, we bring the best and worst parts of ourselves with us. We bring our hopes and our dreams, our optimism and our passion, and God uses those gifts for good. We also bring our greed and our negative self-talk, our fears and our privilege. Praying the prayer of confession, God invites us to name those hard truths. So trusting in God's grace and God's mercy that meets us where we are, please join with me in our prayer of confession. God of mercy, we live in a world full of need, but too often we keep our eyes fixed only on ourselves. We feel like there is not enough for everyone, not enough resources, time, or mercy. Ensuring our own sense of security at the expense of others, we isolate ourselves from our neighbors. Remind us, O oh God, of your invitation to a life of faith, a life of risk, so that we can witness your miracles and the magnitude of your power and love. Restore in us your abundance and the redemption of this world. In Christ's name we pray. Friends, there is no sin that is too big for God's love. You were created in the image of God, and you are held in that love. So hear and believe the good news of the gospel. We are saved by grace through faith. In Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. Thanks be to God. Amen. Let us pray. God of the cosmos, it amazes us that you are present in every sunrise and every sunset. And you are also present here among us. We long to know you. We long to have faith like our ancestors and hope like the prophets. So speak to us this day in your story. Open our eyes to your truth. Your truth stretched out over the generations. All thanks be to God. Amen. Will you do me a favor and open your bulletin? And open it uh, to the list of names that is printed before you. There are a lot of names uh, printed in your bulletin this morning. And I've been thinking about the list of names this week in preparation for this sermon that really is more like a homily. And the question that has been guiding me as I've been reflecting and thinking and praying is this question. 
How do you put into words? How do you put into words all that is represented in a name? How do you put into words a lifetime of living, of goodness, of grace, of brokenness? How do you put into words a lifetime of marriage or a lifetime of being a parent? Many of you uh, are here this morning because some of these names, they mean something to you. They are your mothers or your fathers or your grandparents or your great-grandparents. Some of you uh, who are gathered here today, uh, some of these folks were your friends. You were in circle with them for like 40 years or they were part of the men's breakfast or some of you were looking at these names and you thought they taught my little Maggie third grade Sunday school. Some of you may be visiting this morning and you may be thinking, I don't know any of these people. If you're visiting, I want you to know what I see when I read this list of names. I see what I think we so often miss in life, but we see it so clearly in death. I see uh, teachers in this list who taught generations of young people, who literally helped young people to learn to believe in themselves and to do their very best day in and day out. I see in this list of names uh, business people who built oil companies and hospital systems. I see people who continued their family business. I see Sunday school teachers who did. They taught third graders for 30 years. And there is a special place in heaven for them. They're sitting right there this morning. I see attorneys who practiced with character and with integrity. I see doctors in this list who not only practiced by the Hippocratic Oath that they took, but they sought to live their entire lives as that oath dictates. I see pastors who were theologians with pastors' hearts who shaped communities and cities and people and lives. I see sons and daughters. I see mothers and fathers. I see friends and colleagues and mentors. I see sinners and, of course, I see saints. I see a whole list of people who risk something big for something good. I see heroes of mine. How can you put into words all that is in a name? Every All Saints Sunday, I always imagine if we could bring them all back just for a minute, sit them right here on the first three pews. 
we could just bring them back and ask them, was it all worth it? Do you remember the lives that you changed? Do you remember the moments of grace and love that you reflected into the world? And if there's, if there's anything like me, I think they would probably say, yeah, I sort of remember doing that one time. We so often see in death what we miss in life. The holiness that is played out right in front of us. How can you put into words all that's in a name? You can't. Because all of life cannot fit there. And all of life is not even represented in the moments of remembrances that we give them. But we gather as a community because these moments of grace, they live on. They inspire us. They beckon us to recognize that our lives are places where holiness is also played out. That our lives are places where grace can change a community, can change a relationship, can also change our city. Even by those among us who go unnamed. I learned that reality in a powerful way many years ago when my friend Peter invited me to a Friday evening Shabbat service at the temple in Atlanta. That was the name, the temple. Senior, uh, Peter is the senior rabbi at the temple in Atlanta. It sits right there on Peachtree Street. And those of you who are familiar with Atlanta are going to ask me afterwards, which Peach Peachtree Street are you talking about? And I mean the one right there through the heart of the city. Peter was the associate rabbi at Temple Emmanuel under Rabbi Stern for many years. And Peter and David are cut out of the same cloth. Two of the best leaders that you'll meet, two of the best scholars that you'll ever encounter, and two of the best preachers that you will ever experience. Peter preached from the text that I'm going to read from this morning, and it forever changed how I've come to view this passage and view this life. Before I read our passage, we need to remember something. We need to remember uh, that the Hebrew people, the Hebrews, uh, literally had run up on a season of famine. And so in order to survive, they have fled from their land and they fled into Egypt. And they are living off of the reserves that the Egyptians have. The Pharaoh has been ruthless to the Hebrew people. His own words. He's treated them like slaves. He's burdened them. He's tripled their workload. The Pharaoh has said the Hebrew people are still beginning to prosper. And so it, in an act of utter heartbreak, the Pharaoh orders a law in all the land that all the Hebrew boys shall be thrown into the Nile. Let's be really clear about this. One only passes such a law to draw a line in the sand of allegiance. You follow this law and you recognize me and this land is total authority. The Pharaoh has 
asked the Hebrew people to do what is the most unnatural thing to do. Mothers to take sons and to do away with them. And then something remarkable happens. There is a woman who goes unnamed in our passage who says that that is not the allegiance that I'm going to pledge. And so she does something different. Now a man from the house of Levi went and married a Levite woman. The woman conceived and bore a son, and when she saw that he was a fine baby, she hid him for three months. When she could hide him no longer, she got a papyrus basket for him and plastered it with bitumen and pitch. She put the child in that basket, and she placed it right there among the reeds, right next to the river. This baby's sister, Miriam, Miriam stood at a distance and looked at that basket. She wanted to see what was going to happen to him. When the daughter of the Pharaoh came down to bathe at the river, while her attendants walked beside the river, she saw that that basket among the reeds. And so she sent one of her maids to bring her the basket, and when she opened it, she, she saw him. There he was, a child. He was crying. Of course he was. He was crying. And so she did the natural thing. The Pharaoh's daughter had pity on him. She said, this must be one of the Hebrews' children. And then his sister, Miriam, said to the Pharaoh's daughter, uh, shall I go and get a nurse from the Hebrew women to nurse this child for you? Pharaoh's daughter said, yes. So the girl, Miriam, she went and she called the child's mother, and Pharaoh's daughter said to her, take this child and nurse it for me, and I will give you your wages. So the woman took the child and nursed it, and when the child grew up, she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter, and she took him as her son. And she named him. She named him Moses. Because she said, I drew him out of the water. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I got to tell you, I, went, I, I never missed a summer of vacation Bible school. Not one. I even st stuck around for lunch. Pe peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. They were always a little soggy, but totally delicious. This story was always a part of Vacation Bible School. I knew what to pay attention to. I knew the moral of this story. We were supposed to know Moses. We were supposed to know that Moses was the one that God was going to raise up to lead God's people, the Israelites, from slavery into freedom. I thought I knew this text. I knew the players of this text. That was until Friday night some years ago at that Shabbat service when my friend Peter read this 
text. And he reminded us, um, everyone remember that all these Hebrew boys were to be executed. Remember, anyone who went against the Pharaoh and claimed a different loyalty, they were liable for the same punishment. Remember that the Pharaoh was afraid that the Hebrew people were going to take him over and take him out of power. And then Peter said it. The one who is not named in this passage is the hero. He said it is Moses' mother who pledges allegiance to Yahweh as being the most important relationship in her life that guides not only her beliefs, but her daily living. It is the mother in this passage that takes her son and in an act of civil disobedience saves his Peter said this is the first act of civil disobedience recorded in the Torah and all the Hebrew scriptures. When he said those words, my face melted off off of its bone. This was a passage about women who had lived out their faith, who had risked something big for something good, for what they believed in. So that Moses could lead the Israelites from slavery into freedom. Think about it this way. Think about it this way. An ancient rabbi says, there was a woman long ago. She is the only woman who has ever given birth to 600,000 people. And her name? is Yoshebed. Yoshebed is the name of Moses' mother. Don't you know when uh, the entire city gathered for Yoshebed's memorial service? Don't you know that they told this story of a woman, a mom, doing the best she could? Showing unconditional love to her son. A woman who risked God's generosity in her own life. And how God took that generosity and freed God's people. Without Yoshebed, without Shifra, without Puah, there is no Moses. It was their incredibly brave and prophetic and faithful acts that gave way to the nation of Israel. I got to tell you, when I read this story now, it inspires me. When I see people in the world who risk something big for something good, it pulls deep in my gut. It awakens my soul. I imagine it does the same for you. It's why we have heroes. It's why we have something called American Idol. We have sort of agreed that this one person has stirred all of our souls through music. It's why we have Hall of Fames. 
It's why we have luncheons to give people lifetime achievement awards because we see this holiness made manifest in people's lives in particular moments. And it beckons us to believe that we can do the same. But I got to tell you, it's easy sometimes, is it not, to read stories like what Yoshebed did and think, I'm not really sure I'm brave enough to do what she, she did. We read stories about our ancestors in the faith who risked their entire lives for the sake of the gospel, and we think, really, do I have to risk all of that? We read stories about teachers who teach for 30 years, and their students go on to greatness. And we think, but I'm not sure I could do that. We hear stories of uh, our founders who literally put their homes up as collateral on the loan to build our church. And we think, I am really grateful they did that so I don't have to do that. But it's not true. That way of thinking is not true. It's a lie that we tell ourselves. Your life, our lives are just as significant and just as important as those who have gone before us. I think when confronted with the same reality that Yoshebed was confronted with, Every mother in this room would do everything within her power to keep her child alive. Friends, we are children of God. We are hardwired to reflect God's grace and love and mercy in the world. And so the question of all of us is this. Will we risk something big for something good? Another way of putting it is this way. Elijah Cummings used to close many a meeting in this way, and no matter your politic, I think this question speaks to the deeper truth that we're getting at. Elijah Cummings used to say in committee meetings, friends, one day we will be dancing with the angels. And the angels will lean over and whisper into our ears. What did you do with your life? What did you do with your life? I love that question because it beckons to the angel within all of us. It helps us to see that we are hardwired for moments of grace and risk. If I had to bet this morning, someone is looking at you. Someone is looking at your life and you are their hero. You don't believe me? You don't believe me? Do me this favor. Call your children when you leave church today. Call your children when you leave church today. 
and ask them what they have seen in your life. Better yet, if you have grandchildren, call your grandkids. And say, Sally, Sally, can you tell me how you've seen Pop-Pop show you love? If you don't believe me, go on Facebook and find the name of one of your students that you taught 20 years ago and just send them a message and say just this, do you remember me? And see what they said. If you're a partner at some sort of firm, go to one of your associates one of these wide-eyed kids who thinks they have all the answers, ask them. Ask them what they see in you. Go to your partner. Go to your spouse. Ask them. How have you seen love and grace manifest in my life? Oh, friends, in death we can see what we are prone to miss in this life. That your life reflects the love and the mercy and the grace of God. Will you risk your life? Will you risk your life? for something big. Pray with me. Our God, our help in ages past, our hope for years to come, days and weeks and months and years that are completely unknown to us, but your promise is sure that there is no place that we can go. There is no place we can go where we would not be surrounded by your love, and your grace, and your mercy. So help us to be a people who live that to be true. For we pray in Christ's holy name. Amen. In response to God's love and grace, and in response to the proclamation of God's word, you are invited now to rise in spirit or in body, and let us join together in the affirmation of our faith by reading a statement from a declaration of faith. We acknowledge one God alone, whose demands on us are absolute, whose help for us is sufficient, that one is the Lord, whom we worship, serve, and love. We do not fully comprehend who God is or how God works. God's reality far exceeds all our words can say. The Lord's requirements are not always what we think is best. The Lord's care for us is not always what we want. God comes to us on God's own terms and is able to do far more than we ask or think. You may be seated. Family of Faith, as we prepare our hearts to pray, 
I want to remind you of the care letters, which is one of my favorite traditions here. They are located out these doors under the window. And I invite you to stop by after the service and sign your name. Those letters will be mailed out tomorrow to people who could use a word of encouragement in our community. Before we pray, I also lift up a note of celebration. Today, we celebrate with Dennis and Harriet Greeny on the birth of their grandson, Henry Otto Wiseman. But we also grieve with Camille Brown, who lost her mother this week. So family of God, let's go to God in prayer. God of today and God of tomorrow, you were there when the Israelites wandered in the wilderness. And you were there when John the Baptist yelled, prepare the way. And you were there when Jesus took his last breath. And you were there when the disciples went on to build the church. You were there when this church opened its doors for the first time. So even now, we trust that you are here. For you are the God of all time and space, and we belong to you. So on this All Saints Day, we come to you in prayer, O God, full to the brim with memories. There are people that we miss and days that we long for. There are seasons we cherish and faith we dream of. And there are moments we revisit and memories we cannot shake. So for all the people who have shaped our faith along the way, we give you thanks. You have surrounded each and every one of us with people to love and people that love us. And we know that love is a gift. So even in seasons of grief, we give you thanks. In addition to those who've gone before us, we also remember those still among us who need your care. So this morning we pray for those who are struggling to pick up the pieces of their lives following the tornado. We pray for those who are hungry in body and in spirit. We pray for those who are weary for justice and those who are desperate for change. We pray for those who are frail in body and for those who love and care for them. And we pray for the parts of ourselves that struggle with addiction, mental health, low self-esteem, or loneliness. We ask that you would lift us up and hold us together as only you can. So God of today and tomorrow, Grant us the wisdom of those who risked something big for something good. Be in our memories, be in our actions, be in our dreams, and be in our words. So now with hope in our hearts, we lift our voices in unison to pray the prayer your son taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. 
Each and every fall, we work together to discern where God is calling us in this coming year. We look back on who we have been, and we dream about the type of church we might be in the future. Your commitment makes ministry possible. We are inviting you this commit season to make giving to this family of faith your top giving priority. When we give, we not only live a life that reflects our values of generosity and community, but together we make ministry, we make this family of faith happen. So let us now give to the God of our yesterdays, the God of our tomorrow, this morning's tithes and offering.
pray. God of possibilities, you can take Moses, a man with a stutter, and turn him into a leader. You can take a few fish and loaves and turn it into a feast. You can take faith the size of a mustard seed and turn it into a mountain. So God of today and tomorrow, take these gifts and turn them into ministry. Teach us how to be generous and guide us in our everyday as we strive to be your church in the world. Gratefully we pray, amen. As members of Christ's body, the church, we do not forget our ancestors. We do not forget our loved ones. For the church proclaims that those who have died are still part of us, part of our lives, and a life-giving presence in the church. The apostle Paul describes those who have lived this earthly life with us and entered into eternal life as the great cloud of witnesses. So even when they are no longer physically with us, their legacy of love and life continues to shape us in our own identity and journey. And so on this All Saints Sunday, we remember the saints from among this community who have departed our company and entered the church triumphant this year. May we remember them now. Robert Adams. Hank Bychalk. J. Edward Barger. Kenneth J. Brands. Gail Brink. Marilyn Brooks. John Cairns. Donnell W. Dawn Carlson. Irene Carmichael. Mary Blanche Casmore. Gary Corbin. Jerry M. Corbin. Leo F. Cronin. Michael Duren. Dorothy M. Dottie Edwards. A. Wayne. Wayne Fagan. Elizabeth Betty Barnesworth. Mateel Teal Gray. Alan M. Hicks. J. Michael Mike Jacobs. Wilton Jones. Francis Kelly. Dorothy V. Kennedy. Angela M. Lathrop. Terry Lundahl. Sean Evans Martin. Jane C. McManus. Jean Menifee. 
Charles Bo Miller. Blair Moni. Jim Moore. Kenneth Ken Perry. Lou Quinius. Don R. Reed. Marlon D. Roberts. Anthony J. Rosada. Floyd Aline, Aline Rutherford. M. Adele Del Rui. Kenneth L. Ken Smalley. Dorothy A. Smith. William R. Bill Starrett. Charles D. Suet. Thomas L. Tom Tartar. James E. Jim Thomas. Robert J. Bob Wright. Claire Yaquin. Friends, let us pray. Holy God, bless this great company of saints who have faithfully run the race and now rest with you. As we walk this pilgrim way, may we learn from those who have gone before us to risk something big or something good for the sake of this community and your kingdom. For we pray in Christ's holy name. Amen.
friends, as we go forth from this hour of worship to be the church in the world, may God give us the grace never to sell ourselves short, grace to risk something big for something good, grace to recognize that the world is now too dangerous for anything but truth and far too small for anything but love. So may God take our minds and think through them. May God take our lips and speak through them. And may God take our hearts, each and every one of them, and set them on fire. And may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all. And guide us in our many, 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 many different ways this day and all of our days. May it be so. Amen.